Ladies and gentlemen, theys and thems, weavers of all races and subclasses, welcome to This Dungeon is Occupied podcast. My name is Illidine, and together with Thorne and Robbie as your dungeon-occupying story weavers, we wish to help you as players and dungeon masters from the aspiring to the veteran with questions, ideas, and sometimes interviews for your next tabletop role-playing game experience. Well, hello! We, today, we are talking about the Ranger class out of the PHB, the Player's Handbook, and we will be talking about the archetypes from said PHB. Uh, as a disclaimer, we don't own any of this. This is all property of Watsi. We will be reading some snippets of things that are property of Watsi, and we claim no legal things. There. That should be done. Yeah. So, yeah. We claim no, we claim no legal things. What's no legal things. None. <laughs> don't at us. This is this is not ours. But it is one of the uh the fun classes. I've only played two rangers in the 15 years that I've played uh at least in person. I mean, I've I've played some like uh Neverwinter and other D&D-esque uh video games and I've played ranger and it's a fun class. Um but yeah. There's a lot to rangers, honestly. And Thorn, I think you have the most knowledge on Rangers, given the year and a half that you spent playing two Rangers, homebrew or not. <laughs> true, true. It is literally one of my favorite classes. I love Rangers. I think there's so much you can do with them. They can be tanks. They can be stealthy. They can be hunters. They can have pets. I mean, being the Beastmasters is always fun. There's so, so many homebrew Mm-hmm. I thought you would not believe. In fact, the two I played were, were two different homebrew, uh, which I personally love finding the homebrew in D&D Wiki and, and all sorts of all the other resources out there. There's so many good homebrew stuff out there. Yeah. I just I love them. And they cast spells. They don't have to cast spells. They just there's so much you can do with. It. And I know Robbie likes the wizards, the warlocks, the big spellcasters. <laughs> this is about as spelly as I get in the ranger spell list. <laughs> As spelly as it gets. As spelly <laughs> as you get. I mean, I I'm gonna be completely honest with you. I um my first character ever when playing Dungeons and Dragons was a ranger with oh, a yeah. The truth with, comes out. The truth comes out. It's I started as a ranger and I and um I was a beastmaster ranger, which is one of the classes we'll be talking about. And it was a experience (laughs) (laughs) i uh, to be fair he was supposed to be a beastmaster ranger i only got him to level two and um i never actually got my beast so um but i have fun with it It, it's the reason that most of my most of my characters that i play use bow and arrows um because i liked the way the mechanic i like the way um staying away from people and hitting them with sharp sticks feels like so staying away and hitting with sharp sticks yeah i'm playing a rogue right now in, in your campaign elegy and I, i'm still using a bow and arrow I don't know this is true know. yeah <laughs> but i mean that is one way to get like almost an assured sneak attack every time because you're far enough away you can get cover and then just pop out for a quick shot and hide back as a bonus action kind of thing. So, yeah, that's, you know, it is what it is. Of course, that's for Rogue, not for Ranger, because 
Yeah. I don't. Yeah. Completely different class <laughs> and another one of my favorites. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, with the Rangers, I mean, the, the, it starts off right away because to build them, they say, you know, you want to go into mainly dexterity. You could you could put strength as your first, but but usually you do dexterity unless you're doing like two weapon fighting in the fighting style. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the second uh, I believe is wisdom. The second stat you want to put into because that has to do with your spell casting. Yes. Yeah, essentially, and like um, Rangers have a a a very interesting spell casting list that involves a lot of like uh, traps or um, really putting your opponent like uh, tying them up or entangling them. So I really I like this I like the Ranger spell list. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> and if and if you're looking at the quick build, um, the PHB does recommend uh, choosing the Outlander background. If you're looking for a very basic uh, ranger that's easy to play but is still uh, utilitarian, that uh, right there, it's it's the Dex as your high score, Wisdom second, and then Outlander background, and you've got yourself a, a very useful character. <laughs> yeah, and then. It- the first, even the first few uh, things that it gets, it's it's my my favorite is favorite enemy. Yes, love favorite enemy. I I I wish that we could like I mean as a story weaver, you can choose to allow favorite enemies for everything, but that is probably one of the main reasons that I would choose ranger because you could you choose a type of favorite enemy. Aberrations, beasts, celestials, constructs, dragons, elementals, phase, fiends, giants, monstrosities, oozes, plants, or undead. Or alternatively, you can select two races of humanoids, such as gnolls and orcs, as your favorite enemies. And then you get advantage on survival checks to follow them and track them. You can recall information using intelligence check. Like you get a lot of stuff. When you gain this, when you gain that feature, you learn one other language of your choice that is spoken by your enemy. Uh, and what's what's the last thing? One additional favorite enemy, as well as an associated language at sixth and fourteenth level. So it grows with you too. That's absurd <laughs> for a first level feat. That's absurd. It, and believe it or not, it comes in extremely handy, especially if you do dungeon crawls. If you have stuff that's in dungeons, or if you're looking for certain things, if you have that favorite enemy and you need to track somebody somewhere, it just gives you bonuses after bonuses. And believe it or not, if you're playing a ranger, you're probably going to end up tracking people. No, not at all. Never. I never made you roll a tracking. Never. never. <laughs> <laughs> that was almost the sole thing you did for like a month. <laughs> hey, we're in a desert. Roll for tracking. <laughs> and then the next thing down is just natural explorer. Mm-hmm. And that, if you go over rough terrain and, and that is your natural terrain, your natural explorer terrain that you choose, you know, be it planes or be whatever, you can move faster. You get bonuses. I mean, it's, it's, they actually loaded up with a lot of bonuses in the early levels of Ranger. Yeah. Yeah. The and best I think part the... of, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say the best part of it is that you can't get lost, lost by magical means. Yeah. Um, the, it's essentially that means that like, um, Nobody can turn you around with magic as long as it's your train that you're familiar with. Um, that's pretty cool. I, I think that's really impressive. Yeah. And I mean, as a caveat, you know, you have to choose your one type of natural environment for all of those benefits to happen. But I mean, like Thorne said, with favored enemy and natural explorer at level one, 
like you're getting a lot of bang for your buck for you know a, a character and then right right away at level two you're getting your fighting style so i mean there's there's a lot that can be done um with i mean with any i guess with any character but with rangers specifically there's a lot that can be done for mechanic wise when you think about it or just simply role play because you the favorite enemy and natural explorer those are kind of more role play feats other than like the advantage on survival checks and intelligence checks but everything else it's interesting role play interesting uh encounter mechanics to use because difficult terrain not slowing your group's travel if you're a type of dm that doesn't put difficult terrain or doesn't really uh put that into your traveling that doesn't matter but if you do it's like the most clutch thing you could have (laughs) because in our campaigns we did a lot of traveling a dumb amount of traveling (laughs) a stupid amount of traveling yes you're correct (laughs) We did sessions of just traveling. Just traveling. And it was fun. There was, yeah, it was, you know, we, we do have an episode on how to make traveling fun. Uh, so go check that out. But that's this is where that came into play tremendously for Thorn, for sure, was, you know, when you forage, you find twice as much food as you normally would. Tracking other creatures, you learn their exact number and sizes. Like a lot of that stuff, that's just something like if you're not, a detail-oriented story weaver or player, those aren't going to come up that often. But once you start learning the game a little bit more, you get more confident and you want to add challenges. All these things about foraging and hunting for food and suddenly you're counting your rations and making sure uh, that uh, you have enough food and you're not getting lost. The ranger is like the number one class you want to have in your party. At least one, if not the entire party. (laughs) <laughs> and then you go back to that fighting style second level that's basically where you choose what kind of ranger you're going to be archery is very popular i don't think i've seen uh, typically when people play rangers i don't see them using other types other than when you were playing rick when you had two weapon fighting <laughs> he was a tank i have seen a couple of like dueling fighting style you know, when you're when you're wielding a melee weapon in one hand and no other weapons, you gain a plus two bonus to damage rolls with that weapon. So, you know, you could flavor it depending on the background that you have. You know, if you uh, if you're in a nautical campaign, you could flavor it as a uh, uh, a duelist and a, a sailor of some kind. And he could ha- use a rapier uh, or a cutlass and you get that plus two bonus. So that helps <laughs> a lot, actually. Now that I'm looking at it, <laughs> plus two right away. You don't even need a magical weapon. Just here you go. <laughs> Especially early, early level when you're like second level, third level. That plus two is amazing. Yeah, when your low rolls are really, really, really low rolls. <laughs> <laughs> really low rolls. Oh no. <laughs> so let's let's press on here. Uh, getting to third level, we get to choose our archetype. So that's. For the player's handbook, there's two archetypes, the hunter and the beastmaster. So let's let's run through um, the hunter really fast. Um, without going into detail, it goes through uh, primeval awareness. Uh, you get an extra attack, land stride, hide in plain sight, vanish, feral senses, and foe slayer at level 20. 
Oh, Fosley? Let me see that level 20 ability. Ooh. It's fun. You become uh, an unparalleled hunter of your enemies. Once on each of your turns, you can add your wisdom modifier to the attack roll or the damage roll of an attack you make against your favorite enemy. You can choose to use this feature before or after the roll, but before any effects of the roll are applied. Which, that caveat is probably the best part of that, is as long as you know, like, oh, okay, I rolled an, uh, a 12, and you're facing a ancient dragon. You might not want to add your Fos layer to it if you're not rolling high enough, you know, you because you kind of have an idea of what their AC is going to be if you've mm-hmm. been hitting a bunch of times. But if you roll that ni- uh, that 19 or that natty 20, why aren't you using Fos layer? Add your wisdom modifier to that da- that damage, especially at level 20. It's it exactly. should be dumb. <laughs> <laughs> Although my I I do see a little bit like. When you look at level 20 abilities that people get, this one's a little on the lower side for me. Cause, it is lackluster, yes. Yeah, because you're, you're adding a max of five to your damage rolls. Yeah. Like, okay. I mean, yeah. but... There are speeds that, that do better. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but there, but at least I can see how it's, it's flavor-wise it works out pretty well. So, I mean, mm-hmm. like, I don't... Yeah, I think that if, if I was going to weave for this one, I think I would have to like tell some kind of snippet or story as you know, the player hits the the dragon and that's his favorite enemy. You can either the player or the story weaver can go into a little bit of detail of how that character's feeling as he's pulling the bow back or, or jumping in with his sword against his, his favorite enemy. I mean, why is he, why is it a favorite enemy? Because when Thorne had his favorite enemies, it was because I completely and utterly fucked his world in session zero. <laughs> <laughs> just so you know, it's just a just a bunch like we we did a, a dream sequence kind of thing flashback where there was goblins and kobolds uh, attacking uh, the characters' dad, and it just it it went downhill. The dad died and you know lo and behold that's his favorite enemy <laughs> from then on yep and that's the way it worked out <laughs> to the chagrin of many people in the party well i mean when when you play to your character and you want to kill every goblin and there happens to be a a funny goblin in the jail and you hang back after the party leaves <laughs> it, yeah i mean you know <laughs> uh, it worked it, it did work. <laughs> uh, so I'll give the mic to uh, Robbie. Let's let's talk about um, the Hunter? rest of uh, the rest of Hunter. Yeah, let's let's actually go through a little bit. You don't have to read like the whole thing, but let's talk about like primeval uh, awareness and stuff. Oh sure. I mean the the rest of you want me to talk about primeval awareness on the uh, on the on the uh, archetype on the archetype. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, at third level, you can use your action to spend one range of spell slot to focus your awareness on the region around you. For one minute per level of the spell slot you expand, you can sense whether the following types of creatures are present within one mile of you. Um, abjuration, celestials, dragons, elementals, fey, fiends, and undead. The feature does not reveal the creature's location or number, which is honestly, honestly, uh, like, it's great. Like, you could, you could use it. And um, be aware of where that something is in your one mile radius, I guess. Yeah. But the fact that it doesn't tell you where 
it's located or where um how many there are or i mean i guess it could prepare you for for things if you if you work with a paranoid party like if you're if you're if you have a party who are like oh no there could be like a there could be a monster in there and i guess the ranger could add like peace of mind mm-hmm. but i don't know i'm looking at i i not i was never a huge fan of this feature because they didn't reveal the location which i felt was kind of what the rangers like thing is you the know, way like, that i yeah you know, the way that i would play that you know especially if it's like within six miles of in your favorite terrain um you could tie that the primeval awareness with the natural explorer and you could kind of like try to look at uh tracking the uh the creatures because the bottom of natural explorer while tracking other creatures you also learn their exact number their sizes and how long ago they passed through the area so if you know that something's there you can start doing survival checks to see like oh hey like are we in that specific spot that they were just at are we you know starting to look for something or or what are we doing but we can at least you know the survival checks are kind of free you know you just have to ask your your story weaver like hey can i do a survival check and they can tell you whether or not they feel like your character would actually do that right this second but otherwise yeah i agree i mean eh for a third well, level yeah cuz it it's confusing to read because it it suggests when you read it in the when you read the beginning of it it suggests a spider sense almost right like a but um, you have like to you, use a spell slot yeah which is, which is it's like a magical ability you know and it, it feels like oh i can sense the area around me mm-hmm. but the fact that you can increase it if you're in your favorite terrain makes it feel as if you um are tracking and using like your skill set to do to do like to determine oh like hey this is there's this is like poop on the ground that belongs to this beast like i understand <laughs> that it might be in this area i don't know where but it might be here you know and right. so it's always confused me the unearthed arcana for it actually expanded on the uh, lore on like story weaving behind how primary awareness goes and listed as the ability to communicate with beasts and they recognize you as kindred spirits um, through sounds and gestures, you can communicate simple ideas to beasts as an action and read basic moods and intent. And you can learn like emotional states around you um, uh, with beasts as well. And that allows you to, to attune to the presence of things that are in the area, <laughs> which sounds a lot cooler. Like, yeah. <laughs> oh, you're like, you're, you're communicating with nature around you. And like, you can kind of, uh, you, you grasp like their mood and how they're feeling and like, how they're reacting to things and you can determine based off of that if there's something in the area so mm. that sounds a lot cooler but i mean you also have to remember you have to remember that this already giving you two big boons in the first level so they have to balance something true. that's but true otherwise it'd just be op oh, that's fair i mean i mean <laughs> i'm just i'm being honest they, they, yeah no they, that's fair yeah that's definitely that's fair um you get ability score improvements at fourth eighth 12th 16th and 19th level which is cool you could pick a you could pick a bunch of feats up um mm-hmm. you get your extra attack at fifth level which um two arrows to the head shoot twice or you know hit them twice um yeah. <laughs> uh you get lance right at eighth level um you can move this is my non- favorite <laughs> yeah you can move the non-magical difficulty difficult terrain and it doesn't cost you any extra movement 
But the fun part about that is if it's non-magical, you can move through it without being slowed and without taking damage if they have thorns, spines, or a similar hazard. So roleplay-wise, you could just, you know, oh, it's this way, and just pass through a thorny bush and the rest of your party, like, gets cut up and it could be funny like you you could have not meant for that to happen like oh you're not being a dick and and moving them through a bush but maybe there's like a a razor thorn bush or something and technically you would roll to see if you get hurt or caught in the thorns and your ranger just passes through and then all of a sudden the dm's asking everyone else to roll <laughs> a nature uh, a nature check to see if they get stuck or stabbed i think that's funny that's that's role play heaven right there for a dm <laughs> That is, it really is. Um, hide in plain sight is really, really hilarious as an ability. Mm-hmm. Um, that one's actually my favorite one. Is uh, you get a ten plus ten bonus to your dexterity self checks, and if you press yourself up against the wall. You yeah, do it's, a natural it's literally camouflage. sniper school. It's, it's, <laughs> you create camouflage for yourself. You spend a minute doing this, and you know you have to have access to like mud, dirt, plants, soot, blah blah blah. Um, but you make a ghillie suit, and and like Robbie said, you get plus ten to your stealth checks. Like, I, I, can, I, don't know, like... <laughs> I can imagine a ranger like in a castle running around, and there's like paintings, and just stands up <laughs> against just... the paint, <laughs> 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 and people rock fire. <laughs> it's what I, oh, I, think I would it. have to like, I I don't know, I wouldn't be able to rule for that one for paint unless. The player was like, okay, so I like scrape the paint dye off of this paint portrait and then uh, reapply it with some water and some mud that I have in this pocket and <laughs> just repaints himself into the painting. <laughs> and I, I will not move. This is me <laughs> the rest of my life. <laughs> um, vanish is a cool ability as well. Um, it lets you, uh, this one lets you hide as a bonus action. You can't be tracked by non-magical means unless you choose to leave a trail. Um, which I'm thinking about this, and there was a situation where Tara was, um, where Tara and my my character Corin uh, were. Uh, I was chasing you, remember? Yeah. Um, and then you you hid. <laughs> Man, yeah. I was I was trying so hard to find you, and now I just realized why I couldn't. <laughs> we were already at that level, and I was like, "No, nope, sorry." <laughs> That's why things like that happen. Yeah, and last but certainly not least, uh, at eighteenth level, because we already read Foslayer at twentieth level, but this one, uh, Feral Senses at eighteenth level, you gain a preternatural senses uh, that help you fight creatures you can't see. So you can attack a creature you can't see. Your inability to see it doesn't impose disadvantage on your attack roll against it, which is amazing if you're pay- playing against um, some like spooky specter type stuff that has invisibility, or if you have uh, something that's not necessarily cover, but they're like hiding behind something. You know, I that think this, I think feral senses needs to get reworked. Um, like the verbiage for it at least, mm-hmm. only because it's blind sight. It's blind. It's blind fighting or blind sight. The ability that you can pick up as a, um, as a fighting style now, mm-hmm. and it's like blind fighting. It gives you you can see you can uh, 
you can see invisible things within 10 feet of 10 feet of you um, yeah i agree yeah. but this one is like uh, this one does go up to 30 feet of you um because you're also aware of the location of any invisible creatures within 30 feet of you so i mean you walk into a room and then your spidey senses start tangling and you're like hey there's something fucky around here. <laughs> hey, hey, there's a. Anyone see the abolith? Points to the abolith in the middle of the room. Like right. an abolith. <laughs> uh, and that that's all uh, ranger stuff. That's that's all just base ranger. That's actually not even the ranger archetypes yet. Hunter, 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 hunter gets more. Hunter uh, gets only a lot a, more. Yeah, uh, only only a few. Right, we get hunter's prey at level three. Uh, which you gain uh, a feature of your choice. Colossus Slayer, Giant Killer, Horde Breaker. Um, and each one kind of has a, a, a different thing. You know, Colossus Slayer, your tenacity can wear down the most potent foes. You can hit, hit a creature with a weapon attack. That creature takes an extra 1d8 damage. Uh, if it's below its hit point maximum, uh, you can deal this extra damage once per turn. Uh, Giant Killer... Larger, larger creatures within five feet of you hits or misses you with an attack. You can use a reaction to attack that creature immediately after its attack. Um, and then Horde Breaker, once on each of your turns, when you make a weapon attack, you can make another weapon attack with the same weapon against a different creature that is within five feet of you to the original target and within range of your weapon. I don't see why you wouldn't pick that one, honestly. Because, I, I mean, I guess... <laughs> The extra 1d8 damage is another good one. True. But I mean, because that gives you essentially a third attack once yep. on each of your turns. Because you have your action, and then you use Horde Breaker, so that's your second attack, and then you use your actual second attack <laughs> that you get at level 5. I mean, I like Giant Killer. I don't know. I like the ability to you get a second attack after yeah. the initial... So it's you kind of like the fighters repost. Yeah. Yeah. I, like I mean, it. I guess it's only against larger, larger creatures, but I mean, it's, I, I think that one sounds pretty cool too. Um, yeah. Defensive they tactics. All they all have their pros and cons. They're, they're just depends on what kind of character you're making. That's yeah. true. And I guess what, what situation you're in. Yeah. And the next one is defensive tactics. Start with escape the horde, multi-attack defense and still will. Uh, opportunity uh, escape the horde opportunity attacks against you are made with a disadvantage multi-attack defense when a creature hits you with an attack you gain a plus four bonus to ac against all subsequent attacks made by that creature for the rest of the turn so if you're fighting somebody that uh, has multiple attacks that's handy yeah uh, and still will you have advantage on saving throws against being frightened dragons dragons <laughs> Which, if it's a big enough dragon, you're probably going to be frightened. Yeah, you definitely want to. Uh, you definitely want to have that advantage on saving throws at that point. Yeah. But I mean, I, I guess it would. It, again, it depends on on the type of character you're building. You know, because you know, uh, Thorn's tank would have uh, used multi attack defense. Uh, probably the 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 only one to pick from that one of the plus four bonus to ac yeah i mean it it just depends on the you know you've had seven levels basically up to this point to figure out what kind of character you you're playing 
and also what kind of campaign or, or adventure you're playing in. So if you, uh, if you're dodging a lot and you, you suffer from opportunity attacks all the time, then escape the horde is the way to go. Um, if you're getting frightened a lot, cause maybe your, uh, wisdom sucks or something, steel will might help. <laughs> um, but you, as a, as the balancing caveat for this, you can't pick and choose every long rest or anything. You just gain one of those features at level seven. So you have to kind of pick and just stick with it. So definitely, uh, I guess, figure out what kind of character you're playing and what you would rather have, which for me, I guess that's kind of the, the, the minor min maxing, uh, personality i have that i would definitely just go for the multi-attack defense because you know when you get hit by the the third hit of of anything even if it's just a a bandit captain and you get hit with that third great sword like that that starts to hurt <laughs> after a little while definitely mm. the next thing you get at 11th level for this for the hunter archetype is a, is a multi-attack Mm -hmm. uh, you get a game you have to choose the type so this is where the i guess the archery versus the sword wielding comes into play yeah yeah because volley i mean it's pretty much self-explanatory you can use your action to make a range attack against any number of creatures within 10 feet of a point you can see within your weapons range you must have ammunition for each target as normal and make the set make a separate attack roll for each target which if you're an archer and there's a group of enemies get <laughs> like within 10 feet, that's amazing. And then the other one is whirlwind attack. You can make you can use your action to make a melee attack against any number of creatures within five feet of you. Which Man, that's for Rick, really good. With with Rick, that was amazing. That was that, yeah, you'd want that. Definitely want yeah. that. <laughs> and I mean you're making separate attack rolls, sure. So you know you you might hit, you might miss, whatever. But mind you, this is just using one of your actions. Then your second action. You can still attack, like oh Jesus, like <laughs> that—that's a lot. <laughs> if you're playing a, a melee ranger tank, you, you're just running in anyway, so you're gonna be surrounded. Yep. <laughs> and then superior hunters defense. <laughs> you, there's a evasion, uncanny dodge, and stand against the tide. Two of those look very familiar. Yep. <laughs> Hello, rogue abilities. <laughs> um, uh, stand against the tide, though, seems pretty cool. Also, creature misses you with a melee attack. You can use your reaction to force that creature to repeat the same attack against another creature other than itself of your choice. I mean, that's kind of that's a fun one, especially if you're role playing uh, in your uh, in your combat scenes, which you should be. Uh, but you know, if the big troll misses you, you can have the momentum of the club smack one of the underlings next to it uh you know and, and have it flavored that way but i mean he's just he's repeating the attack on somebody else that if you're if you're looking at a dragon that swiped at you and he missed hey <laughs> that dragon could kill something else for you it, that could be fun i like that i've actually never seen that one <laughs> so i like that but yeah, like like Robbie said, evasion and uncanny dodge—they are uh, rogue uh, abilities. 
but evasion when you're subjected to an effect such as a red dragon's fiery breath or a lightning bolt spell uh, that allows you to make a dex save or a dexterity save uh, to take only half damage, you instead only take no da- or you take no damage uh, on a successful saving throw and only half if you fail. So either way, you're taking half damage on those on those saves. So that's really, really important, <laughs> especially at 15th level, because at that point you're 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 probably talking about a red dragon's fiery breath uh, a lot mm-hmm. of times. <laughs> and those things, uh, the, the amount of D6s that I get to roll sometimes when I do fire breath is atrocious. Uh, and, and an uncanny dodge when an attacker that you can see hits you with an attack, you can use your reaction to half the attack's damage against you. That could save you from life or death. Like that's, <laughs> I mean, hey, if uh, if you're running low on on hit points, you can you can use uncanny dodge and just half the attack's damage against you. Especially if they're hitting hard, like the um, what was that thing that I hit you with, Rick? Uh, the adamantine golem. <laughs> oh yeah, that one. That that, that <laughs> yeah, that would have been nice. <laughs> that, yeah, I could have made it hit otter. <laughs> Might have saved him in the long run. <laughs> yeah. So now uh let's let's just go uh really quickly over uh Beastmaster. And I know Robbie, you mentioned the player's handbook does have Beastmaster, but they did do a rework. So if you could read that for us. They did a rework um that uh that they expanded on companion options and uh allows you to pick a better um better companions so i mean it basically that's what it boils down to because originally a lot of i know that a lot of beastmasters um criticism came from that the the creatures were too seemed a little too weak to actually um offer any kind of like a, a um a any kind of a resource to you um and so instead of having access to one fourth uh, a one fourth creature the revamps animal companion includes an ape a black bear a boar a giant badger a giant weasel weasel a mule a panther or a wolf instead of you know a one fourth creature like a crab well, let's, let's let our listeners know what a one fourth creature is it's usually like a hawk or a dog um yeah. uh I'm doing this off the top of my head like a raven. Uh, We're talking really small animals. Yeah. So at least the revamp version gives you access to something that can actually attack somebody and do damage. And the the revamped animal companion also allows you to um, you uh, your companion is a magical being as opposed to a typical creature because you can bring it back to life. Like uh, once you have that bond ability. Um, with uh, 25 gold pieces worth of herbs and eight hours of work, you can actually bring your companion spirit and create it a new body and bring it back to life, as opposed to having to find a new animal companion, which means that you can still have the same animal, animal companion over and over. I find that kind of creepy. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and then you get... Uh, you get the um your the other part of the animal companion is that now it grows with you so you used to get um exceptional training uh which means that your animal companion would uh would go ahead and um give you bonus actions and 
be able to assist you on certain in certain actions. Um, now your animal companion will grow with you, so you get it gets proficiency bonus based on your proficiency, um, and it matches your proficiency bonuses. So it loses its ability to multi-attack if your if your animal companion comes with it, but it does get uh, ability score improvements with your ability score improvements, which is pretty cool. Yeah, that so, is pretty cool. Um, it, I just think that's so much better than it just gaining like extra abilities. Um, it also gains coordinating attack at fifth level. Um, you and your animal companion form a more potent fighting team. You can use your attack action on your turn. If your companion can see you, it can react to make a melee attack, which I don't think is one that it's what did I say at fifth level. Um, so yeah, you get that as well. And then you at seventh level, you get beast defense. While your companion can see you, it has advantage on all saving throws. And at 11th level, you get Storm, storm Claws and Fangs, which um, it replaces Bestial Fury. Um, so Bestial Fury is kind of like the one before that you got at 7th level. Um, this one allows you to... Uh, your companion can use its action to make a melee attack against each, of, each creature of its choice within 5 feet of it with a separate attack roll for each target. Nice. That's yeah, that not familiar. Nice. <laughs> like the whirlwind attack <laughs> and then the last one is superior beast defense which is um replaces the shared spells uh one superior beast defense whenever an attacker that your companion can see hits it with an attack it can use the reaction to half the attack damage against it so basically it's you i i feel like the revamped version of the beast master is more focused on your creature growing with you and yeah. you two becoming like equals um as opposed to uh giving you minor advantages on stuff and your your beast being extremely weak as you kind of grow so that's what i feel is, is pretty cool you could have a boar a bear i picked a cow once which isn't one that's offered but if the d the dm allowed me to have a cow <laughs> so <laughs> The, the thing, one of the biggest bonuses I think from having the, the companion is the help action. Yeah. Oh yeah, but definitely that help action. Um, five E is a uh, five E is pretty focused on on how the game the game flows and how much advantage comes from you uh, you having outnumbering your opponent as opposed to like outsmarting it. So having that extra that extra character that can take up a take up a slot engage with the engage with the creature keep it in place offer advantage to you give you a help action um, all of those are extremely extremely like op okay benefits to get especially with the ranger because you now you have something that can consistently give you advantage or something that consistently can tie up a uh, a creature for you and keep it in place for you like it's it's pretty cool uh, a Beastmaster, the revamp Beastmaster at least, feels like it's a lot more of an improvement on the traditional one. Agreed. Well, I, like, I like the way it, it focuses more on the beast. Mm -hmm. It Definitely. focuses more on making the beast better as opposed to just being a constant companion and helper that really can't do much else. Exactly. Like, imagine having a crab as your beast at level 20. <laughs> click, click. Click. That's a case of crap. <laughs> <laughs> click, click, click. <laughs> what do you have your companion do? Stay the fuck out of the way. That's what I have him do. 
Oh crap. <laughs> okay, so that that's the two uh archetypes in the, the player's guide. There are many more. Oh yeah. And we will probably do at some point, if not the next one, sometime in the future we'll do another episode of other archetypes, maybe even breaking into D D wiki and some of the other really kind of out there ones because there's there's some fun ones out there. Yeah, I think what we should do uh is you know we'll we'll do like the the like we did with the paladin we'll do tasha's and xanathar's guide in an, in another episode and then maybe since there's like a bajillion trillion quadrillion uh homebrew articles and things for every single class we could pick our favorites and just do an episode of just like these are the favorite homebrews of all the classes and do a two-parter episode or something like that that so yeah, uh, if you like this content, as always, give a like and a follow. It goes a very, very long way into uh, us getting bigger and spreading the word. Um, and if you like this content, uh, you can always go to our Patreon page and get more and get extra and get behind the scenes and get a Discord and all kinds of goodies. Uh, and that's just at uh, patreon.com slash this dungeon is occupied. Uh, and if you use any of the information that we give, we would love to hear a story. We would love for you guys to shoot us an email. This dungeon is occupied podcast at gmail.com. And we'll read the story on the podcast. We'll react to it. We'll give you our thoughts. If you guys have some kind of like encounter or situation and you want to know, uh, a little bit of a, something we can definitely, uh, do that on the, on the episode. Uh, and we'd really enjoy just hearing stories from you guys. Uh, and without further ado, remember to have fun, remember to steal everything, and remember to check those dungeons, because this dungeon is occupied. <laughs>